Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. It's out. The Made in America gift guide. Something for everyone on your list. All courtesy of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Today on the show, the latest from the Ohio Federation of Teachers and everything you need to know about the Trades Women Build Nations Conference. Welcome to the Tuesday, November 21st edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. We have two guests on the show today. Melissa Cropper, longtime supporter of America's Workforce, will be our first guest. She serves as president of the Ohio Federation of Teachers, also secretary-treasurer of the Ohio AFL-CIO. And the first thing she's going to talk about is jobs, jobs of the future. The Columbus Workforce Regional Hub is one of five regional hubs established by the Biden administration. And here's the deal. The administration is partnering with state and local officials, community colleges, employers, and other stakeholders to focus on getting workers into high-demand jobs. The focus of the Columbus Hub, clean energy, transportation and semiconductor manufacturing and this is all tied in to the intel plant which is currently under construction in central ohio now i mentioned five hubs we are joined with pittsburgh augusta georgia baltimore and phoenix this is historic legislation and right now if you've been listening to the show especially when we feature dorsey hager the trades are cranking in central ohio we're talking 10,000 skilled construction trades workers. IBEW, local 683 in Columbus, now expanding its registered apprenticeship program from 600 to 1,000 over the next four years. Also, iron workers, local 172 in Columbus, increasing their registered apprenticeship program from 150 to 250 in the next two years. Plumbers and pipe fitters, 189. Sheet metal workers, 24. Roofers, 86. All expanding their training facilities to meet the man, the demand driven by all of these investments. So it's all good. And we've got to talk about the partnerships with higher education because you need educated people to work in that Intel plant. And that's exactly what Melissa is going to talk about. Sadly, we'll talk about the Freedom Foundation. This is a billionaire-funded union-busting group. All they want to do is weaken unions, and boy, are they sneaky at doing this. Recently, they sent a credit due notice to members that appeared to have come from Melissa Cropper, and there was a lot of confusion as a result. A lot of the members thought that they were going to get money back from the teachers union because they paid their dues into the union. And this all goes back to the Janus decision of 2018, where you're allowed to opt out in the public sector. So she'll address that. And 
On a positive note, school board races, you know, the school board races have been politicized in recent years. The OFT had several members who ran for school board, some of which were successful. Others that were not shall run that down. Across the country, though, the American Federation of Teachers, the parent union of the OFT, they found that uh, AFT-supported candidates won 80% of the time and in very, uh, very conservative districts as well. So uh, the right-wing media didn't win on that one overall in the country. So Melissa Cropper will be our first guest. Melissa Wells will be joining us later in the show on behalf of the North American Building Trades Unions. Melissa serves as a special assistant to the president of NABTU, North America Building Trades. She comes to NABTU with an extensive policy background in her role. She works closely with international affiliates, state and local councils, as well as industry partners, with a particular focus on all matters, all matters related to workforce development and career pathway programs. In her role, she coordinates and advises on activities throughout the country to develop, integrate, and articulate NABTU's prioritization of diversity and inclusion. And uh, she, she wears another hat, too. She represents the 40th District in the Maryland House of Delegates and serves as Chief Deputy Majority Whip and First Vice Chair of the Legislative Black Caucus of Maryland. Busy lady, busy lady. She is going to talk about the Trades Women Build Nations Conference, which is right around the corner. It starts at the beginning of uh, next month. It is the largest annual convention of women in construction. And she'll touch on increasing diversity in the industry, especially with women, and also get into the uh, federal infrastructure investments, which, as I just pointed out, creating a lot of jobs in America. So Melissa Wells, special assistant to the president of NABTU, will be our second guest on the show. Now a brief look into the world of labor. The segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. Well, the Alliance for American Manufacturing is thrilled to unveil their 10th anniversary edition of their Made in America holiday gift guide. This is the annual list of American-made gift ideas from every state, all 50 states, plus the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico. We talked to Scott Paul on this, and he said, It's the biggest list ever, features more than 200 companies that manufacture products in the United States, and in honor of the gift's 10th anniversary, they have included both new gift ideas and old favorites. So there's something for everyone and they've got it broken down in various categories. You can go state by state, or you can go by like giftables, toys, kids, bath and beauty, handbags, accessories, furniture, kitchen. I'm going to run down one here. Shoes. Shoes made by Rancourt and Company. Now, they have been designed and handcrafted in Maine going back to 1967 with a look inspired by the Pine Tree State seafaring culture. Rancourt makes moccasins, oxfords, boots, and more in styles for both men and women. And you can find discounts on discontinued and overstocked items via the brand's online outlet. And let's see, North Star Trading Company. They make a number of stylish sheepskin products, including hats and earmuffs. But they are best known for their sheepskin 
slippers, a made-in-the-USA alternative to some of the less sustainable imports on the market. Boston-based New Balance currently owns five factories in Maine and Massachusetts, employing 1,300 workers to make more than 4 million pairs of sneakers in the U.S. each and every year. And the company, well, get this, they have plans to grow its American manufacturing stake with a six factory set to open in New Hampshire in 2025. And then in the auto category, this is an attention to Jeep owners, Azzy's Design Works. That's A-Z-Z-Y, Azzy's Design Works. They specialize in creating high-quality custom products to give your ride a boost. We're talking custom gauges, badges, to even prototyping. But if you're not looking to give your car a makeover, the company also sells smaller accessories, including keychains. There's a hug-a-plug in electronics. That's an adapter plug that helps solve a common problem. These flat adapters plugged into a regular outlet allow your furniture to fit snug against the wall by allowing electrical cords to attach from the side so there's no more bending cords or losing space with a hug-a-plug. I like that one. And then there's the uh, speaker manufacturer. I know this one, Klipsch, C-L-I-P-S-C-H. They got their start in Hope, Arkansas, while its headquarters are now in Indianapolis. The company still assembles many of its products in the Land of Opportunity. Their Heritage Series Professional THX Ultra 2 Palladium Select Reference 2 and many other professional and cinema speakers are assembled in Hope, Arkansas. And uh, I mentioned state by state, and uh, since we based the show in the state of Ohio. We record it every morning, Monday through Friday at Ironworkers Local 17. We got a shout out to the folks in Ohio. And first on the list, All-American Clothing Company. And uh, apparently, Scott says they were overlooked for previous gift guides. As this Made in America mainstay has manufactured apparel in the Buckeye State for more than two decades. How about that? Founder Lawson Nickel quit his job as a sales manager for a jeans manufacturer in 2002 after his company started importing goods and struck out on his own. Nickel sadly passed away three years ago in 2020, but All-American Clothing Company remains dedicated to Made in the USA. And then there's KitchenAid. Now, not everything from KitchenAid is made in the U.S., but KitchenAid Stand Mixer continues to be assembled at the company's facility. This is in Greenville, Ohio. The famous piece of kitchen equipment is highly rated, widely considered to be the best on the market, a must-have for any baker. And back in 1905, Anchor Hocking, now there's a name for you, Anchor Hocking began making glassware at its factory in Lancaster, Ohio, and it never left. The company's popular line of glass bakeware, serveware, dishware, food storage, and more continues to be made at the same location, and you can find Anchor Hocking products at retailers around the country. Anchor Hocking is also union-made by members of the United Steelworkers. So not all of them are union-made on this list, but I can tell you this. They're all made in America. Again, all 50 states, District of Columbia, in Puerto Rico. Do check it out. And for very good reason, 
a lot of people in the Alliance for American Manufacturing did polling on this. Eight in 10 Americans, 80% prefer to buy made in America gifts this holiday season. So now you know. Go to AmericanManufacturing.org, one of our partners here on America's Workforce, and download this list of Made in America gifts. All right, quick break. Melissa Cropper on behalf of the Ohio Federation of Teachers coming up next. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at afge.org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at boydwatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. And that would be AWF Union Podcast, AWF Union Podcast. Let's go to line number one. And welcome back to the show. Love talking to her because she is so articulate on issues of education. And that would be Melissa Cropper, who is president of the Ohio Federation of Teachers, oh.aft.org, longtime sponsor of America's workforce. And we're going to start off with some good news. We're going to talk about creating jobs, jobs of the future. And it all has to do with a regional hub. Columbus is one of five regional hubs established by the Biden administration. And Melissa Cropper, well, talk to me about this. This is pretty exciting. I, I, we've been talking to the trades. Dorsey Hager, who you know very, very well, has been a very, very uh, upbeat about what's going on in central Ohio with the creation of jobs all across the trades. In fact, we're looking at jobs that are probably going to go out 10, maybe 20 years. But throw in the Intel plant, you're going to have to educate the folks in central Ohio to work in that plant. So talk to me about this uh, this regional hub here that the Biden administration has put together. Go ahead. Well, it really is exciting work that's happening in Ohio. For Columbus to be named a regional hub is um 
just a real boon for Ohio, and it again goes to show how the the Biden administration is investing in places like Ohio. We've over $31 billion coming into Ohio through the Infrastructure Act and through the CHIPS Act and those kind of pieces. And it's such a such a massive opportunity for the citizens of Ohio. So this, this regional workforce hub is focusing on um, manufacturing, biotechnology, um, and areas like that. And looking at talking about how do we quadruple the number of number of people available to work in these type of industries, plus prepare 10,000 people for the you know, construction jobs alone that are going to come about because of the new investments in Ohio. So OFT is really excited to be a part of this work. I'm actually serving on there kind of as a, in a dual role, both as OFT, but also Secretary-Treasurer, AFL-CIO. And the, our latest meeting really was focused on what's the pathways for students to get into these these jobs how are we what are what are we doing while students are still in the k-12 sector and, and moving them up into higher ed when when needed to prepare them for all these jobs that are going to be available uh, what barriers are out there uh, what needs to change in the education world so it, it's really it's really um, it, it, both exciting conversation and needed conversation uh, if we're going to be able to fill all the job demands that are coming about because of all the new uh, development that's happening. We're talking about um, unions, high schools, employers, and all stakeholders, and, and there are many in central Ohio here. If you don't mind, I want to dig into this a little deeper with, uh, with uh, what is it, Columbus State Community College, apparently. Yes. They're going to play a key role here. And you mentioned quadrupling the number of students trained for, yes. like, engineering jobs over the next five years. That's a pretty tall order, Melissa, isn't it? <laughs> It's a very tall order and one that we're currently not not prepared to fill, and that's why these conversations are so critical. So, you know, around the table, we have representatives from the from the K twelve sector. We have representatives from higher ed, representatives from like as you referenced the building trades who run all the apprenticeship programs across Ohio, and then several major industries are also sitting at the table, and then government agencies like uh, the the um, the uh, the Mid Ohio Regional Planning Commission, Jobs Ohio, you know those type of government entities also. So again, looking at what we do both within the education sphere, but also within the existing workforce that's already out there, how do we transition them into these new jobs also? Uh, and then a, another key part of it is also how do we how do we make sure that we're equitable in the distribution of these jobs? So putting a close eye on diverse representation in our preparation for these jobs also. Can I ask you something about media coverage on this? Because as you know, the polling for, for Biden is not very good right now, and he doesn't seem to be getting credit for what he's doing. Is any of that happening in, in central Ohio to, uh, you know, from what you've been monitoring there? But there certainly have been um, articles in the in the Columbus Dispatch about this happening, but it's not. I don't think it's, there's been enough attention paid to it, um, and, and that is, it's. We're, I don't think we're messaging it as well as what we need to. Because again, a, a 31 billion dollar investment in Ohio just from those two bills alone is pretty incredible. The amount of manufacturing and other jobs that are coming into Central Ohio because of these federal investments. 
um, is really is is uh, unprecedented, really. And and again, you talk about the low polling. Um, people are not really seeing how much investment is being made and why those investments are being made. Um, a lot of times, I think it's getting attached to. You'll hear that you know, Governor Dewine made this investment and this investment and this investment. Those investments are coming from federal dollars that Republicans at the federal level actually voted against. <laughs> so, the, mm-hmm. but uh, because we had Democrats in control at the time, that the, you know, those bills passed and those monies are now coming into Ohio, and the Ohio legislature gets to allocate it. But it's this money that came from the Biden administration and from a Democratic administration at the federal level. And, and I know the state helped out on that as well. So it, it gets back to the partnerships and all that. But I, I'm just hoping that more people kind of connect the dots on this. And, you know, good policy results in good jobs. It's a real simple formula there, real simple. And, and that's important to remember that, you know, presidential candidates make a lot of promises when they're campaigning. But President Biden has followed through on, the prom- on his promises. Uh, he didn't just talk about having infrastructure week every week he actually invested in infrastructure and now like i said now we're instead of jobs being all these manufacturing jobs leaving ohio like they did for decades they're coming back mm-hmm. uh, they're coming back to ohio so again we're talking about ten thousand jobs in construction alone right and then thousands and thousands and thousands of jobs beyond that you know and i was just reading an article actually before we started talking about um that the um, DeWine establishing the supply chain work now because, again, we're talking about the jobs that Intel is going to create in-house, but that doesn't even take into account all the supply chain jobs that come about as a result of that. So this is really just a huge, huge boon for Ohio. Yeah, just think about this in the next 5, 10 years, what uh, what Central Ohio is going to be like. Amazing. Truly right. amazing. And what we need to do, again, as educators, what do we need to do to make sure that, that students are prepared to take those job exactly and, and really and again that's exciting work too because as i keep telling policymakers at the legislative level and everything is that we've got to stop being so hyper focused on test preparation drilling for tests passing tests etc and we need to actually help these kids see what jobs are available and give them exposure to this type of work and um, prepare them for this type of work in a way that's exciting to them. Because when students see that what they're studying actually is going to lead to a good job, then they're much more willing to do it. When they mm-hmm. think that they're just sitting in a seat because they need to pass a test, they lose all connection to the purpose. So we have to go back and create that purpose or help them see the purpose again and make learning fun and relevant to them again. Very good point. Let's move on to the Freedom Foundation. You and I had this discussion in previous shows, and it's getting national publicity. I know Dave Jameson over at the Huffington Post did a story on it. And uh, sadly, uh, (laughs) you're dealing with something that's borderline illegal of what they did. And I I understand no charges have been filed yet, but I'm going to let you pick it up. And why don't you just kind of tell us what happened here and where you see this thing going? Sure. Well, just as a background, the Freedom Foundation for years now has been pretty regularly sending mailers and stuff to our members trying to get them to drop the union. Often those mailers, the return address on them will have my name on it, Melissa Cropper, so it looks like it's coming to me. So there's always been, in my opinion, a little bit deceptive. It's always confused people a little bit. But back in, I think, late August, early September, they really, really crossed the line in a big way. They sent out 
something that, well, well, first of all, on the envelope on the outside in red letters, it said something about a um, credit due statement inside or something like that. And then when you open it up, it, it's a, it looks like a statement that says that, you, that uh, OFT owes you some money and that if you fill out the form below, uh, OFT will reimburse this money to you. And it comes out to about $800. Now the form that you're signing is actually uh, a document that says that you want to drop your union. So if you read the fine print, you'll see that if you sign that, you're actually dropping the union. But the really egregious part of it is that it has, on that credit due statement, it has Melissa Cropper, President, Ohio Federation of Teachers. So it looks like it came directly from me. And this happened not only with OFT, but several other unions across the state it had their executive director or their president's name on that credit due statement. Uh, so people thought that they were getting something directly from us that indicated that they were due money and that they just needed to fill out this form and they would get money back. Um, so it was highly confusing. Now a lot of our a lot of our membership, because we're so used to getting things from Freedom Foundation, sensed that this was not from me and uh, you know read the fine print and figured it out. But a lot of people were very, very confused by it, especially since I don't know where they got their mailing list from, but we had people calling us who said, I've never even been part of your union. Why am I getting this? Or I substituted one time 10 years ago. <laughs> Why am I getting this statement? And so we had our phone was ringing off the hook for literally a week for people just confused about what this statement is. And then, of course, we had to explain to them it's not from us. This is uh, a bogus piece of information. It's a, it's a fraudulent piece of information trying to get people to drop their union. And even as recently as last week, I got an email from someone saying that, hey, I sent in my credit due statement back in September. Why haven't I gotten my money back yet? Oh, boy. So there's still a lot of confusion out there. So we sent a cease and desist letter to them um, saying that they need to stop this, fra this fraudulent behavior. Uh, they sent us a, a letter back saying that they, uh, they didn't believe what they were doing was fraudulent uh, because if people read the fine print, it said it was coming from Freedom Foundation. Uh, but they would not act upon, they were not going to act upon any of the forms that had been returned to them. So we don't know how many forms they actually got returned to them. I've, I suspect it was very few, but they said they want to act upon those, which to us is admitting that what they did, they're admitting what they did was wrong. They recognize that what they did was wrong. However, they have not agreed to stop sending things in the future, and they have not disclosed who all they sent the form to, which is one of the requests that we made. So we have since followed up um, demanding more from them, more disclosure from them, and demanding that they stop. And um, we are considering taking legal action, especially if they send out another uh, document like that. We certainly will take legal action. But if they don't disclose also who they've sent this information to um, and, and turn over anything that they've gotten so far, then we will probably take uh, legal action against them because we believe that what they are doing is fraudulent. This is, uh, as I indicated, has attracted national attention, and I know um, at Randy Weingarten, the president of the uh, of the American Federation of Teachers, is really upset about this. Uh, yes. To, do, I'm sure you had conversation with her on this issue. Is this happening in in other states? Do, do we know anything about that right now? Well, the Freedom Foundation, and, and I, I should clarify though, the cease and desist letter came directly from Randy Weingarten. So yes, yeah, she is very much involved in this. 
and she's the one who's you know will, will take the legal action from a national level if we decide that we need to take legal action. Freedom Foundation is working actively in other states. Uh, they said they said in their response to us that Ohio is the only place where they actually sent this credit due state statement. So hopefully our action against them will stop them from sending in other places. But they've been very active um, in the Northwest for many years, particularly in Oregon. And the current biggest target is Florida with all the anti-union bills that have been passed in Florida, which they were behind. They're taking advantage of those laws now to really attack our labor unions in Florida. Um, I know you have President Andrew Sparrow on, on your show um, sometimes, and he was just in Ohio recently um, talking with us about everything that's going on there. And you know, they, they, they said in that we, we uh, were able to get a hold of a newsletter that they put out. And at a recent banquet they had, uh, Freedom Foundation very publicly said that their number one target right now is the Miami-Dade Teachers Union. And their goal is to take down that teachers union, and it will be the largest desert campaign in the history of the United States. So they're they're very public about what they intend to do, but they're very fraudulent in the way they do it. So like in Florida, they've mimicked the union's colors. Uh, they're trying to start an alternative union, but using very much a lot of the same messaging as the current union. So um, they're doing all the doing all the fraudulent things that they, they accuse unions of doing, <laughs> but, and uh, and taking advantage of all of our good work to try to defraud people and get them to drop their unions. And we can thank the U.S. Supreme Court for all this. This goes back to the Janus decision in uh, yes. June of uh, 2018, where uh, you're allowed to opt out in the public sector. Very sad. Yes. Very sad. Okay, one more here, talking about. Uh, politics and school boards well we there's a number of groups moms for liberty for one that have been very vocal at school board meetings and then we had elections a couple of weeks ago apparently it didn't go very much their way did it melissa no and uh i'm not happy about that as you could tell (laughs) i know you are i know you are Yeah, they they put a lot of money into these elections. Like you said, they Bombs for Liberty and groups with similar types of names. There are other uh, Christian value groups, uh, and I, I'm I'm not just making that term up. They go by that name uh, that are out there who are uh, disrupting school board meetings, who are bringing the cultural wars into our school systems. And are are trying to win school board seats as the uh, you know that's that's their like their new breeding ground for uh, future politicians, and so they were not successful in Ohio or across the nation. You know, across the nation, they lost about eighty percent of the races that they ran in. Now, I would say the twenty percent that they won is too many. These people are dangerous. We need to keep them off our school boards, uh, but we need to make sure that people understand how critical these races are. You know, we ran a member uh, for Valley View School District. Uh, unfortunately, she that was one of the people who did not win her election, but you know, she said something one day about, you know, I'm just running for, for school board. It's like there's no just in that. These school board races are not insignificant. These are, these are big battlegrounds for politics, and we have to make sure that we're recruiting people and working, working to elect people who are there to support public education, uh, support public school teachers, and most importantly, support a fair and honest education and fair opportunity for all students. Yeah, that's what we want. Melissa Cropper, 
president of the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can check them out online at oh.aft.org. Also, Twitter and Facebook. Just go to OFT Union. OFT Union. Great job today, as usual. You take care. Enjoy your holiday here in a couple of days, and we'll talk to you in Thank December, you. okay? Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. Another Melissa will be joining us, Melissa Wells, on behalf of the North American Building Trades. She's going to talk about the Trades Women Build Nations Conference right after this. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. Are you an experienced mechanical insulator looking to take your career to the next level? Insulators Local 50 in Central Ohio has steady work for a number of years. Insulators Local 50 offers a total wage and benefits package that can't be beat. It's not just the competitive wages. Local 50 also provides medical, vision, and dental insurance with no paycheck deductions for you and your family. Don't miss out on the chance to secure your future. Join us at Insulators Local 50. Earn great pay and the best benefits. Visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF50 to fill out the online form and a Local 50 representative will call to begin the process. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at uaw.org. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. This portion of the show brought to you by the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craft Workers. For more information, please visit bacweb.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And don't forget, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, ULAgency.org, for more information. Let's go to line number two. Joining us as a newcomer on the show, Melissa Wells is her name. She serves as special assistant to the president of NABTU. NABTU is the North American Building Trades Unions, and she's got a lot of experience in the trades. Melissa, welcome to the show. I want to talk to you about, well, I'll tell you, you are a busy, busy lady here. I see prior to joining uh, NABTU, you served as the Baltimore, D.C. Building Trades Council for seven years. And also, wait a minute here. You are a representative in the Maryland House of Delegates in the 40th District. When yes. do you sleep? When do you sleep? That's my first question. <laughs> oh, you know, I usually sleep during normal hours like average people. Um, but, yes, I do have a very busy a busy life, but it's, it's a fulfilling one, and I'm, I'm really happy to, to be having both roles in terms of helping folks across the country access um, amazing careers in construction and also representing the, the residents of the 40th District here in Maryland. But it's a pleasure to be with you today. 
And pleasure is all mine, believe me. And I know you want to talk about the Trades Women Builds Nation conference, but uh, your connection to the trades, can you, uh, can you tell us how you, uh, how you found that path in life? Absolutely. So I, I, my path was a little bit non-traditional. I did not come up through a registered apprenticeship program. Um, the way I got connected with the trades is I was doing a lot of work around closing um, the racial wealth gap, closing economic disparities, and I was doing a lot of work around uh, helping folks, you know, access um, good financial products, helping reduce access to bad financial products like predatory lending across the country, and I started to really kind of peel back the onion and look at what it means to, you know, not require payday loans, right? What does, it, what does it mean to have access to um, good wages and benefits? How can people have access to a retirement security, specifically pensions? And that's when I began to kind of be led towards um, organized labor and unions. And then, you know, really kind of began to see more around the building trade unions as I was doing work around infrastructure federally. And that's how I kind of, you know, naturally got to the building trade unions of seeing it as a pathway for individuals that maybe uh, went to college and decided they didn't want to, you know, do a traditional pathway or those that, that did not want to go to college but were looking to do something with their hands um, and, and work more in the, in, you know, industrial manufacturing construction sectors. And so I ended up um, having, a, I did some work with the building trades as a part of a, a national infrastructure uh, coalition. I was with an organization called Policy Link. And that's really how this this connection was made for me. And uh, ever since I've been with the trades, I have really been uh, just wholeheartedly a believer in the value of the building trade unions and the value of also their work to continue to get more women, more workers of color, and just individuals who historically have not had access to the trades, helping them uh, really open up those pipelines and allowing more and more folks to connect to the trade. So I'm really excited about the work that I get to do with them. Well, you should be because it's an exciting time with all the policies, the good policies coming out of the, the administration. There's there's a lot of jobs that need to be filled. The apprenticeship programs are booming right now. We were just talking with uh, Melissa Cropper, who heads the Ohio Federation of Teachers. She also works as secretary treasurer of the Ohio AFL-CIO. You're probably aware of the Intel plant in, in central Ohio, one of five regional hubs. So we we have to prepare young people for the jobs of the future. So, Melissa, I would imagine in your capacity, being a special assistant to a Sean McGarvey at NABTU, uh, it involves a lot of traveling, a lot of communication with uh, affiliates, state and local councils. How are we doing? You know, obviously you've been gathering information and, and trying to relay that to, to Sean how are we doing? I, I would imagine, and you know, these regional hubs—they're doing well. But w- what about the rest of America? Are, are we? Are, is the message getting through that the trades, the trades, are the pathway to the middle class? I'd like to get your opinion on that. Absolutely. You know, it's it's a it's a glass half full. So I think that you know there are areas where we have some really strong programs that exist um, at NABTU over the past ten years. We've seen our building trades councils go from only having five uh, apprenticeship readiness programs, which is like a pre-apprenticeship program utilizing the multi-craft core curriculum. We call that the MC3, to now over 200. I think we have around 220-plus programs 
in operation currently. And so those programs have been really beneficial in helping get the word out to whether it's to high school students or to, to um, adult workers that, about the trades and to provide them access to the programming to give them some of the skill sets, the awareness around the trades and be able to help connect them to registered apprenticeship programs. Uh, we have some really strong partnerships. You, you know, you mentioned uh, the Central Ohio area where we have that Intel project, which is a $100 billion microchip, um, you know, factory, semiconductor factory. That's going to provide a lot of work, but it's going to require nearly 6,000 workers a year. Uh, we have upstate New York Micron, which will, you know, similarly require around 6,000 folks a year on that project. So we have, we still have a lot of work to do because um, there's just so much demand because of the federal infrastructure project, infrastructure uh, investment. And so that is part of what we've been doing at NAB2 is really helping support our building trade councils, um, those that have have pre-existing apprenticeship readiness programs, helping them expand um, those programming. And then for those that haven't had the opportunity to, helping them to start those programs. And that work is done not only with those local building trade councils, but it's also done um, in partnership with local local government, specifically mayors and county executives. And so we um, definitely have a, a, lo a lot of work to do. We know we can do it. And so we've really just been spending a lot of time supporting our local building trade councils and helping them uh, build up their partnerships with government as well as uh, other local partners, including community organizations and also, um, and, and also developer and owners that you know, own these projects, helping them see that they can ensure that the project gets done on time, on budget, but also can be done in a way where it's going to help uh, connect local workers that are already in the trades to to those opportunities and also bringing the new folks into uh, the building trade unions. I love that line, on time, on budget, and you do it with good wages and good benefits. That's that's what it's all about. Melissa, I want to talk about the Trades Women Build Nations Conference. I know you're involved in that. I'm going to do that in the next segment. Melissa Wells joining us in our live line today, serving as special assistant to the president of NABTU, also represents the 40th District in the Maryland House of Delegates. We'll be back in a couple of minutes right here on America's Workforce. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The heat and frost insulators and allied workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. 
there is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, and, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are Steelworkers. Standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. Let's go back to our live line. Rejoin Melissa Wells on behalf of NAB2, North American Building Trades Unions, where she serves as special assistant to President Sean McGarvey. All right, Melissa, let's talk about the Trades Women Build Nations Conference, which is going to be in a couple of weeks in Washington, December 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. The largest annual convening of women in construction. I just like saying that because I know <laughs> that's your mission. You want to get more females, people of color involved in the trades. Again, we're talking about the pathway to the middle class here. So talk to me about the, this. I, I, from what I'm understanding, I guess all the hotels are booked. This is going to be a pretty large conference, I understand, right? Yes. No, it is uh, definitely gearing up to be uh, one of the largest conferences we've ever held as Trade from Build Nations. We're really excited about that momentum and just excited about all the interest um, around continuing to help support women in the trades and more pathways to help bring bring in women in the trades and also around retention. So we're looking forward to it. It'll be next week, so it is, it is approaching uh, quickly, but we're really excited about, about the interest and about the attendance. Now, Melissa, I know you have some history in the trades. We were talking earlier about uh, your role with the Baltimore, D.C. Building Trades Council for seven years. So I would imagine you've attended several of these over the years. you got to feel pretty happy about the connections being made and the growth of the Trades Women Build Nations Conference. Can you can you speak to that? Absolutely, yeah. So my first Trades Women Build Nations that I attended was in Chicago. I think it was around 20, 2014, 2015. I can't remember the exact year. Um, and I don't remember the exact attendance number, but I, I know that it was, it was well attended, but I definitely, um, compared to when I attended last year, I hadn't been for a few years, uh, I have definitely seen tremendous growth in the conference. Um, and it's really exciting just to see how it's grown over, over those years. Now, with your history in, in attending these, there, there's got to be some things that, that, that come up that you really want to delve into. And, and, you, and, and it, let's be honest here. It is getting better, especially when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion in the trades. I want to talk about that. But um, in this upcoming conference, is there anything special or maybe a little bit more unique than in past conferences that you'd like to address here on the show? Sure. You know, I think, I think right now we are in such a unique moment. I cannot shy away from the historic federal investments. 
and how there's so much focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion federally from the Biden-Harris administration. And so I think when we think about those investments, we think about the commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion matched with the work that NABSU and our affiliates have been doing uh, over the past decade plus around diversity, equity, and inclusion, and specifically getting more women into the trades. It's just great synergy, I think, when you think about the opportunity that this will provide, not only for getting more women in the trades, but also more, more diverse workers, workers of color, as well into the trades. And so right now, I think we are just in a moment where we are focusing on continuing to support women that are currently in the trades. We're really focusing a lot on um, continuing to open up um, um, programs and also, you know, uh, um, panels and workshops at Trades Women Build Nations that are going to expand leadership um, training for women who trade. That's going to focus on having uh, more sisters committees to help with recruitment and retention of women in the trades. And so there is just so much that we are really trying to do to not only help us manifest more women in the trades, but also for us to keep them into the trades. And we're really excited about um, being able to help convene those workshops. These workshops we have are often um, submitted and led by local tradeswomen who are all doing phenomenal work. This year, we also help um, establish three local local tradeswomen committees within our building trade councils. And so we're really at NAB2 just continuing to uh, really spend a lot of time and energy and effort, more time and energy and effort, I should say, in supporting women and also supporting um, other ways that we can expand on diversity, equity, and inclusion and access, um, not only nationally, but also locally through our local building trade councils and our state building trade councils. Now, Melissa, what will your role be at this uh, upcoming Trades Women Build Nation conference? Are you going to coordinate this? Are you going to handle any of the seminars when, when that happens? So I will be wearing a lot of hats. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, one, one role is I will be um, helping assist with emceeing the, the, the plenary on Saturday and Sunday, along with the, the chair of the Tradeswoman National um, Women's Committee, Vicki O'Leary from the Iron Workers International. Uh, I'll be assisting with workshops on um, Sisters in Solidarity on, on Sunday, and then another workshop focused on um, looking at various equity programs, including a Be For All from um, SMART, and also looking at um, Indigenous awareness training and, and cultural awareness. So I'll be wearing a lot of hats, and I'll probably be doing a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes assisting. I've, I have been, uh, since we started planning, um, doing a lot of behind-the-scenes work. So I'll be very, I'll be very hands-on, and I'll also be behind-the-scenes doing a lot of things that people won't, they won't know, but I'll be helping with. Well, you've gone through life wearing a lot of hats, so you're accustomed to that. I, 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 don't, I expect that kind of thing to happen at the Tradeswomen Build Nations Conference. You said something here. We just got a couple of minutes left, and it's so important. We are getting, especially women in the trades, we are getting them. Retention, that's an issue. Because once they get in there, well, obviously, there's a, the work is very demanding. And if they have a family, well, there's some issues there. I can only imagine, I can only imagine that that is going to be crucial in, in several of the discussions coming up in a couple of weeks, don't you think? Absolutely, yes. So um, child care, um, just the, the care economy, because now we know that folks are book-ended between, you know, raising children and also in some cases 
helping um, an aging parent or um, family member. And so we know that the child, the child care and the care economy is something that we definitely, uh, as, as a country, is, is a challenge. And through Trace Futures, which is a 501c3 that, um, I, that I'm on the board of and that NAP2 um, helps support along with uh, various partners from the industry, we have been doing two child care pilots across the country, one in New York City with the local building trade council there and also one in Milwaukee with their local building trade council. And that program has been providing a child care subsidy that's been assisting uh, apprentices be able to access or be able to offset some of the costs of their child care. And so that is definitely uh, one of the biggest things that we're facing as a nation. And we know in construction, because we have non-traditional hours, that it is uh, even more of a challenge because um, folks need to be on a job site by 6 a.m. And oftentimes, child care facilities do not open until around, don't open until 6 a.m., right? So they, mm-hmm. they can't, can't be there and at your job at 6 a.m., unfortunately, we don't have that power yet. Um, when we can, I guess, transverse time and space like, in a way that would be sufficient, then I could probably work. But right now, we don't have that ability. So that is definitely one of the big things that we are seeing. Um, the other thing that we're really doing, I want to just take a moment to talk about, is we're continuing to improve on our, our job site culture. Um, We are in the process of doing a project certification that we will be rolling out next year, so we will provide more detail. Maybe we can come back and talk more about that once we get there. But it's, I think, a really great program to just not only change job site culture, um, but also when there are bad actors to be able to hold them accountable because we don't want to lose um, not only women but other workers on on jobs because the culture is just not welcoming and so we know that we want to make sure that we can keep people and that people can um, you know work safely and be in environments where they are welcome and they're not being harassed so we're really excited about this work that we'll be doing in partnership with not only our local building trade councils but also with various industry owners general contractors and developers um, across the country to help roll this out sometime next year. Well, Melissa, I'll hold you to that. I'll, I'll let you uh, enjoy your holiday weekend coming up here, and then you got the Trades Women Build Nations Conference. But let's uh, let's uh, regroup here at the beginning of the year and talk about the future. Okay? Can we do that? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, very good. Okay, nab two dot org is the website for more information. Nab two n a b t u dot org, and you can also check them out on Twitter. Just go to the hashtag nab two. Melissa Wells, you take care. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, the American Federation of Government Employees, and we talk about One Fair Wage, a new campaign in Washington. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce Radio Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.